Hello and welcome to my live stream on your spiritual journey Facebook group. It is Tuesday, February 4th, 2020. And today I'm going to talk about Lawrence's OBE, out of body experience. It was quite fantastic. And he went on the trip to the Universal Library and saw many things in the spirit world. Now, this is a series I have been doing on near-death experiences, OBEs, other, you know, after-death experiences that I have been doing in my book, The Spirit World Talks to Us. And what I have done in this book is I take people's experiences and I explain what happened behind the scenes. Many people have different experiences in the spirit world, but they don't really understand what they were told and why these things were happening to them. Why, why were people bright? Why did they see when they looked into the lower zone, you know, kind of weird creatures? Well, you know, what was, how could their relatives all be ready to see them? All these questions and more. Why was, why was a person called? This is what I attempt to pull back the curtain on when I talk about the spirit world talks to us through near death and other experiences. Now, the headwaters of all this is spiritism codified in the 1850s by Alan Kardec. And I would recommend anyone to watch the Kardec movie on Netflix. So let's get right into it on Lawrence's out-of-body experience and his trip to the Universal Library. Now, Lawrence, right, at, right after reading about Jesus's last night at the Garden of Jessamine, Jessamani, I'm sorry, spent hours trying to imagine how Jesus felt. The certainty of the upcoming crucifixion, his abandonment by all his disciples, all of this pushed Lawrence to an emotional state where one might think, you know, why would all this happen? And then the night he was thinking about this, the spirit realm took him on a journey that would change his outlook forever a peek at the fundamental building blocks of the universe, a treasure trove of knowledge and a lesson in humility transformed him and led him to try to explain exactly who and what we are. Now, how did I meet Lawrence? Well, I first met him when he emailed me after he started reading my book, Explore Your Destiny, Since Your Life's Path is Mostly Predetermined. He wrote to me that he enjoyed my book immensely and that it had answered many questions concerning the spirit world. In a subsequent email, he asked me to listen to a YouTube video of his titled A Brief Preview on a five-part series entitled Exploring the Geography of the Mind. Now, Lawrence had embarked after his OBE on a mission to map out our how our belief systems, belief applications as he called it, directly controls each individual, our society and culture. He desired and still does to teach the world how we fit into what he named the conscious operating system of the universe, C-OS. And I was fascinated by what he must have happened to him to begin such an ambitious undertaking. I knew what caused my initial exploration of how my life was and is predetermined after my future was revealed in specific detail from a near-death experience of my wife. Now, myself, 
more than 15 years before we met. And, and, the, and then that near-death experience my wife had, she knew certain things would happen. And of course, I was typical. Um, you know, she told me things. It was usually, as a lot of people do with near-death experiences, they don't remember what happened until after the fact. And she goes, oh, yes, I remember this happened or that happened. And I go, oh, yeah, right. I didn't really believe it. I, you know, it was interesting, but I, I figured it meant nothing. But then certain things happened, and I said, hmm. But then the big thing happened, and that is when I was working for a bank, and this was in 2004 or 2006. It was the Great Recession, and this is when all the mortgage just did the whole real estate market crashed and the mortgages crashed and people lost their houses and all sorts of things. And, but this is before this happened. And I said something about, yeah, you know, the market's getting oversaturated and, but the bank said for us not to worry. And this was a, uh, 11 months, practically 11 months before the big in October, uh, September, October occurred. And since she says, Oh yeah, I remember that. I go, what? He goes, well, the bank that you work for will go broke, but don't worry. You will be rehired by the same bank, but a different name. I thought, we're not going to go broke. We were just told by our whole board that everything is fine. You know, we are in just great shape and that's not going to happen. And in fact, when the market started thinking, oh, this might be bad and the stock went down, what did I do? I bought more stock thinking, no, we're, we're fine. Well, to make a long story short, and I think it was September, my boss and I, you know, was my friend, walk, were walking, you know, from work, trying to get on the Seattle ferry, and then someone said, the bank has just been closed by the FDIC, and, and you're all out of a job. <laughs> so, of course, I, you know, just like horrible. And of course, I was out of a job very quickly. Well, I think it was in a month or so. And then they were bought by another bank. And um, I was out of a job, I think, three or four months. And guess what happened? Of course, that bank hired me back. But, you know, it was actually the same bank, kind of, but with a different name. Now, this is from my wife when she was. 17 in Brazil, didn't know anything about finances, had no clue banking, right? At that time, probably didn't even have an account. She didn't have enough money. Um, how could, you know, how could she have something so specific? Of course, this just completely threw me for a loop. And I spent the next six months finding, okay, how can, if, if, our life is predetermined. That must mean something is predetermining it. Because we can't have chaotic predetermination. We can't have, oh, everything's predetermined, but we have no clue why. And, but your life is all planned out. But there's nothing up there. But of course, that's not, not possible. Now, it's probable that my wife could have said this and it's just, all, you know, a coincidence, but it's not probable, right? It's possible, but not probable. 
And of course, then other things before it happened all, you know, a lot of the evidence piled up to make it extremely unlikely that she was just making intelligent guesses. And I mean, her predictions were specific. So that is what started me to find out about how all this was done. And then I found spiritism. And then it opened up. And then subsequently, you know, after that, I've been to mediums meetings where I've been told certain things about my past. Um, and the world is starting to open up. So I've read all sorts of things in spiritism. And that's really what I've done in my books. I've tried to take everything that I found in English, and that's from Allan Kardec in 1850s, Leon Denis later in the 1800s, Chico Xavier in the 20th century, Yvonne Piera, uh, Devaldo Franco, who's uh, 20th century and 21st century books, he's still alive, everything. And of course, these are, these, you know, except for Kardec, who wasn't a medium, he asked questions and had mediums answer them. Everyone else were mediums who psychographed from high spirits who were uh, uh, spiritists. Jiva Owen was a spiritualist. He didn't call himself a spiritist, but everything he had was in line with spiritism. And so I've read everything I can. That's when, that's what I created my books, right? And I just kind of created like a different, like when he, Lawrence read my book, Explorer Destiny, it was like all about predetermination. What, what is heaven? What is the, the lower zone? You know, type of purgatory. And then my book, The Case for Reincarnation, how reincarnation works. What's the process? How karma, you know, creates our, our life plan and, uh, you know, spiritism 101, et cetera. And I've got books out, you know, more books out there that you can see on my website, nwspiritism.com. All my books are on the right-hand navigation bar there. And I have many books. The books are all on Kindle paperback. And now I have three books, soon to be four, on audiobooks. So that's my story. So I thought, okay, what happened? To, to, you know, to Lawrence, why would all of a sudden, because I know like all of a sudden I just went on this, you know, mission to find out how can this be? So, and then he's the same way here. He's trying to think, okay, how does all this work? What's this conscious operating system of the universe, which he wanted to do. So I was fascinated and I wanted to learn his complete story. So after talking on the phone a few times, I asked him if he could tell me about himself and his experience. So we had a long conversation in which I took copious notes. And afterwards, I asked him if I could interview him for my Sunday night radio program. And I have a, uh, a show every Sunday uh, starting between uh, 7 or 8, depending on, on uh, daylight saving times versus where I, different, different places I'm at. So it's like around 4 or 3 or 4 Pacific time, depending on where I'm at in, in the world. And I talk about different aspects on spiritism, and that is Kardec Radio Facebook page. So if you're interested, please go to Kardec Radio Facebook page. And every Sunday, I'll have a live stream. And there's other uh, really great spiritists who will have programs on that page. And there's also Kardec Radio. It's an app you can put on your Apple or your iOS phone. So I thought it would be interesting to interview him live on that program. And um, I'll have a link in, in my article and in my book. Uh, you'll show you where you can get that program. So let's talk about Lawrence's background. So 
He said first he was always curious. He told me during his childhood, Lawrence was an inquisitive child. And once at the age of four in Yakima, Washington, the big apple orchards around there, a beautiful place, he spotted a can wired to a tree and he climbed to discover what it could contain. He put his hand and withdrew nothing but a sticky mess. The can was designed to trap insects and his curiosity got the better of him. The spirit world knew this and would use his inborn desire to explore every puzzle to bring him to his discovery. Now, Lawrence was not born a spiritual person. I, in the same way, I was never, no one could have, could have said, oh, that's a spiritual boy. That's a spiritual child. No, I was probably a very concrete thinker, had no idea of anything. In fact, when I used to go to church, um, and even it was like 11 or 12 to my poor mother's embarrassment. When I saw our reverend, you know, coming down the aisle, I said, mom, mom, there's God, right? That's as far as my spirituality went. Um, of course, she, she, you know, put her head down. So he and Lawrence thought of religion skeptically, right? That it was a tool to use people. Organized religion was usually corrupted by its leaders to help themselves instead of helping others, which is exactly what spiritism, and I should say the spirits have told the spiritist mediums is that, you know, when they talk about religion, and, and that's why they've done throughout history, uh, for an example, they tried to push the Catholic Church to realize that the Catholic Church is there to serve others, not for the population to serve them. So, in fact, in order to, to get the teachings out to more people and not have people be, uh, you know, dependent on priests and reverends, etc., they sent Alan Kardec to Earth to reveal what Jesus couldn't tell us since at the time of his stay on Earth, people weren't culturally or technologically advanced enough to completely understand the full reason of why we are on this planet. The spirit realm watched the progress of the Catholic Church and determined that they have evolved into an organization that believed people were meant to serve the church, not the church to serve the people. I wanted to repeat that again. So hence, spiritism was codified by Allan Kardec, who documented communications from many spirits from multiple mediums to explain that we are immortal souls who live life after life in a quest to become a pure spirit. Now, what is a pure spirit? The best example of a pure spirit is Jesus Christ. A pure spirit is one who has taken all the primitive emotions, hate, envy, desire for revenge, dishonesty, materialism, right? You know, I mean, excess materialism and replace it with love, charity, fraternity, honesty, honest in dealings, you know, is to get rid of all that hoarding instinct and that selfish instinct and become more selfless. And that's what we are here on this planet of atonement, where we pay for our past wrongs and past mistakes. And actually, I shouldn't say pay, we learn. We learn them and we learn how to get rid of the emotion or emotions that cause us to make that mistake in the first place. That's why our trials are sometimes pretty, as we think they are, pretty harsh. But what I'd like to make sure everybody knows, for those who are decent people to begin with, and they were probably in heaven, you and I have been part of the planning 
to plan all those trials and tri tribulations out. The spirit world tells us over and over again that when we judge ourselves, we are the worst. We are the most harsh to ourselves. And you read this, spirits say, no, no, I don't think you need to be so hard on yourself. And yet we have a tendency to be when we're in the spirit world. So let me carry on about Lawrence. Lawrence was in the U.S. Navy. He was serving on submarines, and he had a roommate who had a sister. Well, Lawrence married her, and while he served below the seas, he flew as a stewardess in the skies. And when they were ready to have children, his wife desired to return to attending the Mormon church. Well, Lawrence was hesitate to have his wife join what he thought could be cult-like, so he decided also to attend. They both went to the first session, where the teacher was explaining the theology of Mormonism. Lawrence, wishing to get straight to the point, asked the teacher, does God have a sense of humor? This brought an abrupt elbow from his embarrassed wife, but to the delight of Lawrence, the teacher answered that this would be the topic of the next class. Now, his question wasn't born as a challenge to the teacher or Mormons in general. His question was rooted in his conviction that with wisdom comes a sense of humor, that no one is actually wise without deriving the humorous from all aspects of life. So after a stint in the Navy, Lawrence worked in accounting and was asked to work in the American Samoas to reform their pension system. While there, the local Mormon bishop asked Lawrence to teach a class for other Mormons. Lawrence told the bishop that he didn't think he should because he had not yet been baptized in the Mormon church. But to go ahead, but the bishop said, go ahead and teach the class. It's, you know, he, and he said, and he was very wise when he told Lawrence this. He, he understood his reservation, but go ahead and teach the class. And at the end of the class, overwhelmed by what he had delivered, he felt intense emotion and cried, and he decided to be baptized into the Mormon church. Now, after that experience, he became more spiritually awake. When he and his family returned to the United States, and he looked at the Mormon temple, he noticed the architecture and the symbolism in every detail. Now, when he told me that, I thought, you know, that's part of spirit. Some have told us this, that no detail is too small for the spirit world. So let me just go back and tell my, myself this opinion for a second. When I was high school, 20s, 30s, beginning of the 40s even, before I found spiritism, I thought I believed in God. I didn't really believe in organized religion at all. But I believe that we are this planet, one planet amongst who knows how many in the universe, and that we were pretty far out there. And yes, there was a God, but didn't really, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be okay. I've given them sunlight and water and food. They'll be fine. Let's see how it works for them. That was kind of my idea. But spiritism, it's just opened my eyes and there's the being the spirits are all around us and they're involved in so many things they are involved in our life. They're involved in giving us ideas, the good spirits. There's, there are ignorant spirits, immature spirits, I should say around us that give us kind of bad ideas and frivolous ideas. Many times that's why we have to make sure our conscience is working. So we filter these messages. So the depth of the spirit realms intrusion, into our life is revealed in the book, The Life Beyond the Veil in the Lowlands of Heaven section. I thought of that immediately when 
when I when Lawrence said, "Oh yeah, the detail of the church was so important," and but and of course it's meant to be noticed, but the spirit in the spirit world knows this, and that's why they pay attention to detail because you may not notice on a conscious level, but in a deeper level. So it was a communication to the Reverend G. Owen from the spirit astral in the spirit world that explains the care in which our lives are directed, the machinations undertaken when the Reverend G. Owen began to build his church, begins innocently enough with a question from Astriel. The bolt, now when I, I'll say it, and I'll tell you when the answer is from Owen. So, Astriel asks, and this is Astriel's the Spirit talking to Reverend, Via, uh, Reverend G. Owen as he's psychographing these messages. And this is in the beginning of the 19th century, I said, uh, 1910, about 1920. So, so Astro said, on top of your church tower, the Reverend Jibal was an Anglican reverend. I have three books interpreting with other things, his all of his writings, which is book one, Heaven and Below, book two, Spirits in the Spirit Universe, and book three, How We're Guided by Spirits. So Spirit Astro said, on top of your church tower, there is a weather vane in the form of a cock, which is a rooster. You will call to mind that you yourself decided the form that this should take. Is that not so? And Reverend Via, and the Reverend Owen said, I had entirely forgotten it until you called it to mind. You're quite correct, however. The architect asked me about it, and I hesitated between a fish and a rooster, and eventually decided on the latter. I am wondering, however, what you have to say of it. Now, Astral is reminding Val Owen of a decision that he automatically assumed he made. Remember that. Who knows how we are interfered with or we're given suggestions. In fact, he believed he deliberated between putting a rooster or a fish as the weather vane on top of his church. Now he learns what really occurred. This is fascinating because you can use this in your life. This is what Astral told him. No doubt, you see, these things are trifles to you, but there are a few things which are trifles to us. Now, the fact that the likeness of a rooster stands above your tower is the direct consequence of certain activities which took place in your mind five years ago. That is a case of creation. Many would smile at this, but we do not not mind that for we too are able to smile and some of our smiles would perplex you i assure you the meaning that you had in your mind when your apparently not very important decision was made was that all might be reminded that saint peter denied his lord i suppose you meant it as a caution against the repetition of such offense today but you did not realize that the apparently trivial decision was which was registered here and dealt with quite seriously. So when Asriel said, there are a few things which are trifles to us, reflect on these words, what we consider to be inconsequential decisions in our lives, in fact, may be vital. They may be the fulcrum upon which our life turns or somebody else's life turns. When it is said that when a butterfly flaps through their flaps their wings, from there a hurricane is born. It is meant that though seemingly trivial, trivial events, large alterations in our lives may occur. When a child is told that God watches over you, little does the parents or the child realizes the true extent of the words. 
Not only are our actions, but our thoughts, our innermost desires are an open book to the spirits that guide us. Our life and by extension, everyone's life around us are on certain tracks. While we have free will to respond to the events and scenery on both sides of the tracks, we are monitored to make sure we don't derail, that we keep moving forward because only by traveling ahead can we experience the life courses that have been assigned to us. Now, people do, now, I wanna make certain, the spirit world is, you know, the law that they cannot, they cannot go past is we have to have our free will. But we're also lives, we have certain trials and tribulations are gonna to happen to us. Um, Andre Louise asked, you know, well, is this predestination and you don't really have, you have no free will? Goes, no, no, you, you always have free will. And, and then one of the spirits told Andre Louise this, let's say there is a person that is going to be, uh, is going to be put in, in prison for the rest of his life by doing something he did. And we knew that, that in the spirit world, nobody was going to do that. Now, is that predestination? And, and the spirit said, no, that person had the free will to commit that crime. Although it was pretty certain that he would, they gave what happens is they give that person many opportunities to pick the wrong choice. If he had never picked the wrong choice, he wouldn't have been in prison. Once he was in prison, he still has free will in prison. He could be a horrible prisoner or he could help other prisoners, help the warden, do positive work, you know, become more spiritual, everything in within his own, you know, not very much, but his, the room he has to maneuver that he, through his free will and his attitude and his character, he could modify himself within that environment. So that is important. So that's why we, things will happen to us. I mean, it's probably your spouse that you married, maybe got divorced, the job you got where you thought you just got that job because your your uncle or your aunt called you said, hey, over there, they need somebody. And oh, I, oh, I know someone that can hire you. Those things are synchronicities as, to, you know, as you know, um, defined by Carl Jung, that these things happen because the spirit world is kind of marching us here or marching us that direction. And I talk about that in my book, The Seven Tens of Spiritism, where, you know, I look back and go, oh, well, that must have been planned, right? And what are the signals, the signs and signals and the synchronicities that really have, you know, out of the blue, put you on a path that, you know, you did not intend or something that you wanted to do and the doors were closed. Whereas the, your plan B, all of a sudden the doors were open. Think about these things. So, Asriel explains that not only is Baal-Owen directed in a certain actions, but a wider nest is cast. This is what Asriel tells Baal-Owen. I must tell you that the building of a new church is an event which is the cause of much activity here. There are officers to be appointed to attend the services and guard the building and a whole host of ministering spirits to be allotted to the different departments of duty in connection with a new place of worship. Your clairvoyant friends have seen some of these already, 
but only a few comparatively. Every detail is considered, not only in respect of the character of the minister and congregation and choir and so on, and the best among us that is the most suitable, chosen to help you according to the traits we observe. Not only these things, but the structure and all structural details are considered minutely, especially where symbolism enters in, for that has an importance not realized among you as it is with us. So it came about the weather vane was also considered, and I have chosen that because of its seeming, seemingly triviality in order to show you that nothing is missed. Now, what did he just tell us? The last words of his, his communication of that paragraph, right, is nothing is missed. All minutia painstakingly reviewed, re-reviewed and passed on the higher ups for modification and approval. Spirits who have had attained a celestial level are part of the immense army that serves to regulate and direct all life on earth. This is like one of the great revelations of spiritism that there, and this is what I talk about in my books. There is a whole organization. There are processes. There are groups. There are like type government groups or like types that are like NGOs, non-government groups. There's all sorts of, of, of spirit you know, organizations and processes out there. And I'm sure I've only, and I've only been allowed to see, but a few through that keyhole. And this is what no other doctrine or religion will tell you. These are actionable items that we can learn and say, okay, then we can relook at our life and say, well, okay, the spirit world is doing this. Why is it doing this? What is it trying to teach me? And why is that person giving me such a hard time? Well, I can tell you, the person is giving you that hard time because they are there to test you, maybe test your patience, and to help you grow your patience and to learn to become more humble, etc. There's all sorts of things. So the spirits, you know, these high spirits who are part of this immense organization, multiple organizations, I mean, they are, they are like a, a, a school system. And all these people around the different levels of heaven around just earth, there are levels of heaven around galaxy, solar system, way, you know, way above. And there's, of course, the different levels of heaven around each other inhabited planet. But the ones around our planet, which was about 21 billion spirits, who are incarnates and discarnates around the earth. And there's like, what, 7 billion people physically here? There's 14 billion. Some of those are on in the heaven, and the majority of them, unfortunately, are in the lower zone on the surface of the earth up to the first level of heaven and below the earth. So these people who are in the minority of those 14 billion are with us all the time and planning and helping us. These people who are part, who have gone through many lives, just like us, angels, Jesus Christ have gone through many lives. He has at one time been on a planet of atonement. They are part of the immense army that serves to regulate and direct all our life on earth. They ascend to heaven because of their attributes, their capacity for love and their selflessness. Hence, the battalions which surround us are an army driven by love, motivated by their desire to supply the lessons we all so sorely need. Spirits not only direct, but they add to our lives. Astral tells the Reverend G. Val Owen how the bell for the church was paid for. 
it was decided that, as the rooster had been chosen in preference to other symbols, we would answer that choice according to our custom by giving to the church some appropriate offering in response, and that offering was the church bell for which a choir boy collected the money. You had no bell when first your church was consecrated. The bird stood aloft, but could not utter his warning as his original had done to St. Peter. And so we gave him voice, and your bell today gives tongue, as it did tonight at evening song. So what did he say? Actions and events, great and small, are planned and directed by the spirit world. Individually and collectively, we are being pushed to become better spirits, just like we do with students. The history of the world is like an upward spiral where conditions motivate us either through times of prosperity or cataclysms brought to mold our character, all designed to elicit particular responses to promote advancement. Each one of us is given a customized learning plan for our physical life. Then we'll go back and go, okay, how did I do? Did I get better? And okay, then they'll start working on your next plan. Of course, you don't have to reincarnate. It's your free will not to. You can park yourself, like, what's the spirit to say? You can park yourself on a level, but most, I would say most, if not all, I'm not quite sure, spirits know they need to come here and get that emotional turmoil in order to really change your character and personality. Now, let's talk about the reasons for Lawrence's revelation. The book, Jesus the Christ by James E. Talmadge was the catalyst for Lawrence's journey. Now, as I wrote in the beginning, Lawrence deeply desired to experience and understand the emotions of Jesus as he waited in the garden for the last chapter of his life to, to be played out. Lawrence tells us in his own words, one day I was thinking when Christ was all alone and he selects 12 men and they all leave him at a vital moment, what Christ would feel. So I cried when I thought of how Christ must have felt Christ must have felt he failed. I cried, then I went to bed that night. End quote. Now, Lawrence believes he had placed himself in a state without thought, only awareness. He was on an emotional frequency, which could be accessed by the spirit world. That night, a high spirit came to him and said, Larry, do you want to see something really cool? And now, Larry, at, at you know, attributes his quest to understand people and the emotions which drive them to his wife's sweet disposition. His wife possessed an angelic nature. She was more diplomatic and kinder to people, which caused him to research what made people think, act, and believe in their peculiar manner. He became uh, NLP, which is a Neuro Linguistic Programming, certified to understand how people thought. He wanted to know how people felt emotions and what triggered them. Lawrence believes that our emotions are live things and our emotions want love too. They want to be noticed in love, that we are the collection of our emotions. And a lot of that, I believe, is directionally true as told by spiritism. Spiritism call us many times, we are a personality. And they, they oh, yeah, this is your spirit personality because we can determine how we want to look, what our clothes are. We can determine that. So it's not... Our looks that determine is our thoughts, and our thoughts are based on emotions, our our past lives, actions, and events. So yes, in essence, we are the collection of our emotions and things that happened to us that created and 
molded those emotions. So therefore, Lawrence was asleep or in a trance state when the high spirit came and asked, Larry, do you want to see something really cool? And he didn't hesitate like the four-year-old with an insatiable curiosity, but now armed with years of accumulated learning and experience, he was off to an adventure, an escapade which was change his life forever. In an isolated space, Lawrence could detect a white light coming at him far in the distance. As it came near, he could make out a high spirit, a man. When the high spirit came next to him instantly, Lawrence was in a scene, probably created by the high spirit, of a college campus, a pleasant, leafy, and expansive campus. They were walking along the sidewalk, heading to the library. As they turned to climb the steps outside the library building, it looked completely real to Lawrence. He noticed the handrail had been blackened with frequent use. As his left foot hit the stepping stone, he discerned that it was concave, that granite stepping stones was concave after eons of students walking those steps. He knew the sun was over his shoulder behind him and the ray shone on the mica in the granite and the light reflected on the polished stone came back and diffused into Lawrence's right eye. The light beam acted as a transporter of Lawrence's identity and awareness. He went down into that light and watched the string theory singing a concert. So imagine a bead curtain about four feet high, a concentric circle, three feet in diameter and three to four feet tall. When one of the string vibrates, its vibration is picked up by the other strings. The other strings reflect that vibration in harmonic renaissance. Together, they their collective amplitude increases. The strings cannot contain the energy and the beads absorb the energy. As the energy goes into the battery, the beads, it starts transforming the auditory frequency the beads start glowing, giving off frequencies of various colors. So you've got all of these things and they all harmonically interplay with each other. The colors of one beads talk to the colors of another bead. This is all what he saw. And they create a harmonic, an unbelievable rainbow of vib vibratory frequencies that we don't have words for our spawn. When that happens, it calls up another set of strings in the center that raises up higher than the four feet and creates another set of harmonics. This is what this is all of us he was seeing. These two harmonics communicated with each other, then a third, and then all the harmonics engulfed the whole. At that time, Lawrence could feel the whole at one with the vibratory frequency. In a different account of an NDE, I discuss what is universal fluid and its relation to string theory. In essence, in the 1850s, spiritism revealed to the world that the universe and universes, spiritual and physical, the physical is a subset of the spiritual universe, are composed of fluid which are compacted and set with different vibrations to create all manner in energy. Spiritism told us that the universe is full. There are no truly empty spaces, as string theory also postulates. This was in the 1850s. Everything is created by different vibrations, different combinations of compaction and density of vibrations. And of course, this, and this is what Lawrence saw. This is what this made me so interesting. Okay, he saw this in action. As Lawrence soaked in the divine orchestra, he felt the intelligence around him, and he knew totally 
he was at one with awareness. But Lawrence Witness wasn't just a light show, it was force, it was the foundation of all, directed by will. It was an aspect of the supreme intelligence. Now this is the secret that is open to all, but seen by few. A mystery that is right, right in front of our faces, but our current thinking blinds us. All manager, matter, and energy, everything harks back to God and God's will and the will of his high spirits. Nothing, as we are told by high spirits, nothing is put into place or sustained in place without a force composed of faith in will assigning it there. Spiritism tells us that faith is measurable in the spirit world. And in fact, everything is created. Now, one of the spirits were talking to Jibao and said, look, we go from the objective to the subjective to the sublime. Meaning when we are on earth in our physical cocoon, things are objective. The wall behind me is a wall. I can't, I can't change that wall with my mind, but when you are in the spirit world, as you ascend in the different levels of heaven, you learn how to use your mind and with your faith, meaning your force of will and your certainty in the goodness and love, love of God, you can create, you can utilize universal fluid, these vibrations that Lawrence actually saw, and you can, with your force of your mind, you can put those into different combinations and you can create different pieces of matter. And, and we're being told in the spirit world, a group of spirits can get together, create a whole temple, a house, a road, a mountain, well, anything, anything. Now, and that house, let's say for instance, will stay in place until another spirit or the spirit said, okay, we will put a duration on it. Or another spirit will say, no, let's remove that and create something else. And so, this is what's so interesting. This is, and when you understand the power of thought, when you understand this, then the light turns on and you go, oh, well, I guess that's why we have to remove the primitive emotions. Because who wants people with this omniscient power, this immense, you know, attributes with, you know, who is not a good person, who is petty and jealous and, vind and vindictive? No. You're not going to be allowed to drive that race car without a lot of training and make sure you're an expert first. That is why we are on earth and that's why we're going through what we are going through. Now, I will talk more about this in part two of Lawrence's OBE. And we'll talk about how energy is controlled by the will and other things he saw. We'll go in deeper into this, but I don't want to make these things too long. So I want to tell everybody that you have a wonderful night. And if you're more, if you're interested in this, please read my book, The Spirit Will Talks to Us, 12 Accounts from Near-Death Experience. It will, I will go through other near-death experiences in other death experiences and tell you more and more about spiritism and the spirit world. If you would like to get right into, um, Spiritism, I suggest that always a good place to start is to read the Spirit's book. Now, I've written my books because things have come from since the 1850s, more and more have been revealed to us. But it's all, and that's how I started. I started reading a PDF version of the Spirit's book. It doesn't cost me anything. You can find all of Alan 
textbooks in PDF. But if you want to know really more about the spirit world and the organization, I suggest you start off with my three series of three books. And the first one, of course, being Heaven and Below, Book One of Spiritism, The Spirit World Revealed to an Anglican Vicar. And that is in Kindle, paperback, and audio. So and I'll have all three of my books on audio eventually. So anyway, I want to wish everyone a good night. Please subscribe uh, to the, the YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute channel, I am going, this is right now, I'm doing a live stream on your Spiritual Journey Facebook group. I will post this to YouTube and to BitChute and make sure everybody can see it. Please like it, please subscribe, comment, share it. The more we can tell people what is out there waiting for us, the more people can then convince themselves that, you know, it's really a better idea to try and work on being a good person than work on trying to satisfy all material material desires. And once we get to that state, the whole world will be a better place. Anyway, I want to say God bless. God bless to all of you. Good night.